And we're back again with another conversation. Good evening to everyone. Etty, good are afternoon. you here with us? Yeah, yes, yes, are. good afternoon. There she is. Good afternoon. All right, we got a bit of um, a storm coming in here in Israel from the Mediterranean, so I hope uh, it won't make too much noise on the recording. And our equipment will not fly away, but uh, let's knock on wood. Amen, amen. <laughs> okay. So, um, today you picked a very interesting topic, I think. You wanted to talk a bit about the five types of exile of the soul according to the ancient Hebrew perspective. And before we get started with this, I wanted to give a bit of a context, perhaps, because this whole idea about the exile in the Hebrew sources is maybe a bit difficult to understand, wouldn't you say? Because we may think it relates to something physical or geographical, but it, yeah. It is true, people tend to relate between the word exile and let's say change a location on a planet, like to move from one country to another. But this is not what the sources deal with. Right, um, because the idea is, of course, that the exile relates to the Hebrew people, right? Yes. The, the famous exiles of um, where the Hebrew people are living in Egypt, this is very well known, are getting enslaved, and then comes the exodus afterwards. And there are other exiles as well. Um, but the whole idea of exile the way we would like to speak about it here today is not in a geographical or, or national sense at all, but more in a psychological way. And you've prepared a bit of a um, presentation for us here. Ah, shalom. People say shalom. Exactly, hello, shalom. Hello. So let's dive right into it. Shall we? Shall we, please? All right, so let's first look at the word for exile in Hebrew. The word is written Gimel, Lamed, Vav, Tav. And it's pronounced Galut. That's right. In Hebrew, we read from right to left. And the letters that you were mentioning are coming or written from right to left. That's right. So this is basically just the word to give us a, a bit of a, a foundation for everything that's to come. This is true. And can you explain the mark, the red mark, next to the word galut? That's the question. How would you explain it? This is very interesting. Usually when we feel that we are in exile... I would say we feel certain kind of limitation in our expression. Mm -hmm. That sounds interesting. One, Could you yes. give an example perhaps for people to relate to this? Sometimes we are in like social activities that limited our way our ways of expressing ourselves. So we can be physically among friends, 
mm-hmm. but the soul in us cannot be expressed. The expression higher of ourselves, the full potential, cannot be expressed, often with social uh, gathering or among families. It's very interesting. So... It's you mean that a person is like feeling not in his right place, so to speak. Like you could say a, a person feels he's, he's physically in a situation, like his body is there, but his, his mind is elsewhere. He's an exile, spirit, so to speak. Yes, could you say spirit, like his, this? Yeah, yeah, certainly, certainly. People can sit with, the, they can share the same physical space with others. Their bodies attending the same room or the same space or the same hall, but... Let's say people who have higher uh, ability to express spirit, they will feel limited. They will feel it's not, it's not a, I would not say, say safe, but it's not a place or time or gathering mm-hmm. which is uh, helping them to express the fullness. So it creates a kind of psychological experience of exile, so to speak. Yes. That a person is both in a place but also has some kind of an idea that he maybe would like to be somewhere else or that he's somehow limited in the current situation where he finds himself. Yes, this is why we mark the the word galut, exile, in a red uh-huh. and arrow, and plus which is going down. So galut is always... Um, L- sense of limitation. Right. Because it just makes us feel more and more narrow. We cannot... We cannot express our full capacities, our full talents, our full um, dreams, associations. We cannot be free. The spirit cannot be free. So we jailed in so and it's a down. Bit, yeah. It's a yes. bit like in the um, Greek mythology, perhaps, the idea of the underworld, right? Yes. That a True. person goes goes down to a kind of, um, well, what they call underworld, in which um, there is a sense of captivity yes. or limitation. Yes. Right? I don't want to go too much into detail. We are going to talk about this uh, soon. Mm-hmm. So, on the one side, we have the word galut. Yes. And in the sources, this, is, this word or this concept is always juxtaposed with another word, which is... Geula, which <laughs> if you look at the spelling is very, very similar. It's also starting with Gimel. And then we have an Aleph, a Vav, Lamed, and He. So this is Geula. This is salvation. So one could ask, what do these two words uh, have in common? Why are they always appearing together in the, in the sources? Together and opposite to each other. Right. In juxtaposition, yes. Yes. Uh, the difference, we can see the difference between Galut and Geula. The difference is the Aleph, the letter Aleph. Because the letter Aleph always represents unity, the source, the origin, the, if, if one wants to look at it as a tree of life. And what um, distinguishes the, the word of Geula, salvation, to Galut is the Aleph, is the unity, is the con- connection to the origin. This is why we marked the, the word geula as uh, an arrow that goes up in green. 
Right. So it's, it's like a, a tree yeah. which is is blooming, a expression, the full expression of, of one's uh, spirit. So it's the force in in the opposite uh, direction, so to speak. Yes. All right. So I'm going to switch back again so that our mm -hmm. viewers can see this. If you're just uh, listening to this, you can uh, find a link to this presentation also in the notes of the recording. So here we have again Galut, which is yeah. Gimel, Lamed, Vav, Tav. Then we have Geula, which is Gimel, Aleph, Vav, Lamed, Hey. True. And we can see this here on this slide, which you've prepared how they are actually very, very similar. The only difference between the two is the Aleph, first of all, in terms yes. of the amount of letters, um, which we will have to explain. And there's also the question why there is a hey at the end. Yes. And a tough. What's the, what's the difference? They, they even look a bit similar at first glance, mm -hmm. I would say. Yes, the, the tough, as we mentioned once before, when we introduced the chart of Gematria, the tough, the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet, represent the number of 400. is a full expression of this life, the whole capacity. And in a way, the, the word galut represents the full revealed option that we have in this life. But it's a problem because the spirit cannot go inside. This is why we have a sense of exile of Galut. Everything is revealed because as we mentioned before, the, the letters Gimel Lamed is 3-3, three, three, is always those letters like They express a revealed like gal. Gal, a wave, is expression of revealed. The power of water revealed when we see a wave. Wind comes and lift the water and we see expression of a wave. This gal is, a is also a form, right? A form, of course, a form. So galut, in a way, is an expression of a form. So... If I, if I follow you correctly, it's like saying that if there is a full expression of the form, it tends to be seen as a galut. Is that correct? Yes. When we look at the form as the only absolute possibility, this is an exile. Although we, we have complete it, yeah. fulfillment of the form, it is still, according to the Hebrew sources, considered galut. Yes, Yes, we shall see this in, in the later right, we're uh, going cards. To to this, because, of course. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and what about uh, the hay in Giula? I mean, it looks very similar to the tough, actually, but you could say maybe there's a bit of an opening in there. It's like yes. open-ended, perhaps? or Yes, because two, two letters of the word Geula are Vav and Lamed. The third letter from the right... Vav and the fifth from the right is hey. Those two letters, if we put them together, is the second part of the tetragrammaton. Va. 
And if we rebuild the word geula, we get two words. Gaal, the verb gaal is to save. And va, va is the second part of the word of the name in its revealed form. So in the word geula, we have the verb, the acting power of the salvation, which is save us from the form, from time. So is, it, is it complex? Or <laughs> this, is sound, it? this sounds a bit, um, I feel my head spinning here a bit. But, okay, I um, know, I know. This <laughs> is why I, start, <laughs> I stop and I start. And <laughs> what, what, you, what you are saying is, if I try to understand this, right? Um, mm -hmm. Because if I, I put it in my own words, right? Mm -hmm. Like, we have these ideas of when we hear the word, yeah, salvation, it's some kind of emotional concept of, yeah, somebody will come and fix all my problems and everything is going to be fine. And yeah. it's sort of very vague. Um, mm -hmm. Some people might be very religious. Other people are not. Some people would say, yes, it means a lot to me, the salvation. Others would say, I don't know. I don't understand what it means. But um, what you are saying is that the Hebrew word geula is actually very, very precise because... It doesn't just describe some kind of an emotional feeling of, of needing help or something, mm -hmm. but actually the word, the tetragrammaton, which is translated in English as God, which is problematic for reasons we've already mm -hmm. discussed, is actually contained in this word. Yes. So there isn't really any, any sense here of um, needing to believe or um, it's not a matter of opinion. No, it's the active power in the word that yes. does the job. <laughs> and this is really the interesting thing, I think, about Hebrew. What we are trying here a bit to, to show in these little presentations, how the Hebrew words themselves actually tell us a story. Not yes. unlike mathematical formula, perhaps, um, where it's not a matter of opinion. No. You can look at the letters and you can see how certain concepts are reflected. Perhaps yes, you could and, say and like molecules in chemistry or something. Yes, but it's interesting because the more uh, inner perspec perspective that you take, like you change lenses in the microscope, mm -hmm. you, the more, I mean, the deeper you can penetrate. We are just in the first, let's right, say, layer just, exactly. hovering over the water. But there are more deeper aspects. This is, this is just the beginning. So for now, perhaps to, to summarize a bit what you've said, Galut, the, the idea of exile, according to the Hebrew sources, means a kind of being locked or imprisonment um, in the form. Yes. Whereas the Geula is some kind of reflection of a higher power in our life. I try to be specific. In ourselves. In ourselves. I would, in yeah. ourselves, yes. That it is most of the time is locked <laughs> in the attic. <laughs> But it's there. Okay. So um, let's start and look a bit at the actual exiles, which yes. are mentioned in the sources. Okay. Yes. So the first exile is Mitzrayim. Yes, Egypt. Egypt. And I've also heard it uh, called the mother of all exiles or something like this, right? Yes. It's like the, the, the exile of exiles. 
Yes. So um, just a look at the letters again in Hebrew from yes. right to left. That's a mem. Then we have a tzaddik, a resh, yod, and mem sufit. True. The word Mitzrayim represents double narrowness. The ending in Hebrew of a noun, which is Aim, always refer the double, like Mishkafaim, a glasses, Ofanaim, bicycle, Mitzrayim, Mitzar, narrow, Aim, double, double narrowness. So Egypt in this aspect is a double narrowness. Now, narrowness in time and in space. Or, if to take it to our life story of each and every one of us, because each and every one of us tells himself a story about himself. This is the first, this is the first uh, step of narrowness. Could that you explain that a bit more? Um, I mean, I understand glasses, they have two glasses, so we have mm -hmm. I'm. Mm -hmm. A bike, bicycle has two wheels, so ofanaim, it's this mm -hmm. doubleness, and mitzraim, a double narrowness. Yes, yes. When a person tells himself a story about himself, where he, this is just an example, you can show this image in another aspect, but let's say, let's take one aspect that everybody can see in his life. A person is born in certain surroundings, to certain parents, to certain schools, to certain neighbors. And this is what he thinks about life. This is what, this is what he sees from his eyes. This is what his neighbors or close people give him the idea of life. And he starts to believe that this is his life. But to tell himself first this story This is one aspect to narrow all these amazing worlds to one story of his. This is the first aspect of narrowness. The second is that he believes that this is really true. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about a kind of like a social conditioning, so to speak, in the first narrowness. Meaning yes. all the environmental factors that we grow up with, whether... Um, what country we're born in, um, whether the parents are rich or poor, or all these kind of things. There, there is, yes, you're right. There is a beautiful English word that also demonstrates, even in its English letters, listen to the sound, narrative. Narrative. Mm -hmm. What is a narrative in English? It's a story. It's a story, but a narrow story. Okay, so meaning if I have one narrative about myself, that means I, by definition, don't have another certain narrative. Yes, other story. By yes. exclusion, by definition. Yeah? Yes. All yes. right, okay. And to believe that the narrative that you have about yourself is the only one, this is Egypt, this is double narrative, double narrow. So, and this is what the sources tell us, um, this is the most severe of all exiles, this is the this most is the mother profound of or... This is the double, this is the double, that first you focus on something, like a form, you say, our life is a form, where I was born, who, who are my parents, which uh, schools did I attend, and so on, this is a form. Though each one will feel in his... Um, 
let's say, a paper, a different kind of city or different kind of school, it's still a form. Even mm-hmm. in English, the page that we feel when we attend universities or any other services, we feel a form. So that's already putting that story down, that story about our lives, which is the first narrowness. And you yes. could say, okay, this is just a story. This is my certain appearance in this world in time. But you say the second aspect of this narrowness is actually believing this story. Yes. This Drinking is your I, own Kool-Aid, so to speak, as they say in America. <laughs> yes. Yes. So this is the mother. Egypt is the mother of all other four exiles that we shall see now in those slides. Okay. So I'm thinking also of Passover as one of the most important um, Hebrew holidays, which comes in a way against this it's about the going out of egypt right yes the remembrance of the slavery in egypt and the going out and but not in a geographical or historical sense but in a in a psychological way as well as you've just pointed out yes every year in the spring this is why pesach is always be celebrate is celebrated in the spring when everything blooms and start fresh again Every year in spring, we, we tell the stories of going out of Egypt to remember ourselves that it is, pos- it is possible to go out. But first, that it will be possible for us to go out from Egypt, we have to attend the fact that we are in Egypt. Right, it makes sense, right? Before yes. a prisoner can leave the prison, he has to first acknowledge that he is a prisoner. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. So obviously there's a lot more to say about this. Um, this is just a, a brief overview for now. Um, okay, I think you've touched on a few key points about the meaning of Mitzrayim or Egypt. Let's continue with the next exile, which is the exile, exile of Babylon. Babel yes. in Hebrew. Babel, Babel. Which is spelled Bet Bet Lamet. This is true. This is also an, an ancient kingdom. And people, when, when once mentioned the name of Babel or Babylon, people think about the historical aspect of this kingdom. Right, But the Tower of Babylon, right, and the confusion of the languages is one of the, the founding myths of, of Western society or um, even, even beyond that. Yes. So, but, yeah. Yes, yes, you can continue. <laughs> well, 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 what does it mean? I mean, if it's not just you just described Mitzrayim, um, you gave us an idea again of what it means, not in terms of opinion, but drilled down into the actual letters of the word that tells us a story that reveals some kind of a hidden meaning. What about Babel? What does it tell us? It's um, a situation of confusion. Right, just putting oh. up the slide here. Yes, yes. Of not knowing what is up and what is down, what is left or what is right, when we have no sense of direction. So this is called bilbul in Hebrew. Yes, confusion, bilbul. So you're saying those are um, from the same root in Hebrew? Yes, yes. Even the verb, the verb balal, balal, God mixed their languages. Hashem balal etzfatam. This is how the Hebrew text is going. Mm-hmm. Balal. Mixed. That's interesting. Yes. So 
we see this here. Um, this is this is also one of the things that's fascinating to me as a as a learner of Hebrew about this language that it's what it's called a root language, right? Yes. That from a combination of consonants, a whole range of words and associated meanings is formed. Yes, it's like a DNA. So to speak, yeah. Yes. So it's fascinating. So the word Babel, which we translate as Babylon, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, Babylon is just a, um, an English uh, version of this word, um, actually harks down to these core letters yes. of Bet and Lamed. Yes, because if, if we look into this, um, if you want really to, to do a search work in here, we can look at the Bet Lamed, again, Bet Lamed. What is missing here is the hay of Hevel. Because if we could write the hay before the first Betlamed, we will get Hevel, the mm -hmm. inner aspect, the spirit. Which means a Hevel as a kind and able, right? Able, yes. as they say in English. Yes, and, and Hevel. Oh, which reminds me, we have a little surprise also. Yes. So for everyone who's watching this, stay tuned. <laughs> surprise, and, and surprise and a present exactly. also. Yes. Exactly. And Okay, so, so so if we would have written the hay in front of the Betlamed, it would be Hevel, the inner spirited, the, wor mm -hmm. the, the word of the the world of the soul. So this is fascinating what you're saying. It's again the same as we've seen with Galut and and Geula, Geula. perhaps that mm -hmm. this hay, this seemingly innocuous letter with this strange little opening, makes all the difference yes. between heaven and hell, so to speak, between the confusion of Babylon. And between something more sublime and um, freeing, perhaps. Yes. Another aspect is very interesting. The word heart in Hebrew, we say lev. The letters are lamed, bet. Mm -hmm. First come the lamed, then the bet. But here is opposite. Is twice heart, bilbul, like bet, lamed, bet, lamed, like our hearts are opposite. It just breaks the heart twice. Which is interesting. There's this, um, I wouldn't say an anecdote, but the saying that during the building of the Tower of Babylon, the people who were building, they were more upset when a stone fell down than if a human being fell to his death. Yes. Yes. So this um, <laughs> encapsulates this, what you've said, if the hearts are upside down, so to speak. There is, yes, it's true. But if I would, I would add something, it's, it's a bit hard, but... Please go ahead. In harder, vicious regimes in history, when they lack bricks or any material component in which they can build and continue the work of building, they use people, bodies to build. Yeah, this is horrible. Um, you're absolutely right. This is not just some fairy tale of like once upon a time in the Bible, horrible things. Somebody imagined those things. Um, I've uh, recently I've heard about a road in somewhere in Siberia, I think, where the Soviet Union used uh, slave labor to build this horrible uh, road 
on, in conditions of, of minus temperatures and people were just dying and um, they just integrated the dead bodies into the road. It's true. Also in Egypt, one we, we spoke about it. In Egypt, one of the laws says that women also had to work as slaves in Egypt. And also they conceived women, even in labor. Mm -hmm. And once they give labor to a child, the Egyptian took the, the baby and used it as a brick. And continued to build upon it. Horrible stuff. Yes. So... But this is not so physical. Let's move a bit with your permission to what does it mean? What does it mean to build a house, a road, or a pyramid, or poor cities like warehouses from bodies of babies or bodies of people? What does it mean in an inner aspect? It means that a person thinks that he is mortal, understanding, a building something higher of the spirit, which is not. This is why the pyramids, the Lord says, when they build the pyramids, they all sank. Because if a person thinks that his mortal understanding are the only things that exist, everything falls. This is also why the tower never... So you are, you are basing this argument on the understanding that understanding in Hebrew is related to the to letters of... Brick, Levena. Uh -huh. Levena. Because in, in the, it's good that you mentioned this because um, the Bible speaks about what happened in Babylon is I will say the Verse in Hebrew, Vehaita lahem halevena leavin, meaning levena is a brick. It sounds very similar, yes, like you hear yes. it, it's the same root. Yes, levena is a brick, is a material that a, ma a man makes in a factory. Aven, even, is a stone, something that comes in nature. Mm -hmm. What happens, what happened? in Babylon and also in our lives that we think and their understanding the brick what they do with the hand they think is the work of the Lord mm -hmm. a person think and we say that aven, even, stone in Hebrew is the relation between father and son av father ben son aven even father and son but not in a mortal but the father in heavens and humans are the children the son of the father this is even so there is this you're saying there's this confusion in a way of what you have created and what nature created so to speak yes uh, what what the infinity brings with mm -hmm. and i'm and thinking sorry yes yes uh, please do go uh, uh, i was thinking about these uh, science fiction movies um in many of them there is a story that human beings um are messing with the dna of a shark and then it turns into some super monstrous creature right yes so perhaps this this expresses this kind of a confusion in its own way in genetics they play a lot right. i i read two weeks ago about a person who could um in Asia, he managed to design 
I don't know how to which verb to to use. Design a baby that has immune against AIDS, mm -hmm. and he is really making a lot of wind around it. Yeah, we're getting we're getting closer to these things as science um, is progressing. Um, a lot more things are getting possible. But also far at the same time. Right, right. There is a certain confusion at a certain point if, if our technology becomes so powerful and we can do more and more amazing things and also horrible things. At some point there is the question in how far are we overcoming nature if we are just within nature or a product of nature. I'm using nature now to, to avoid saying God because it's... Mm -hmm. <laughs> It's uh, complex, uh, but yeah, there are. There is a lot of confusion. Yes, it's in the world now. I saw discussion today in Cambridge that one of the people who spoke in this convention say we reached already humanity reach, and I heard a mathematician last week we reach the bare end of the story in terms of putting things on paper. In terms of physics and, and formula, mm -hmm. even down to the latest um, mm -hmm. parts, the tiniest parts of the atom and so on and so forth. Yes, but it still, it does not explain understanding. It explains computing. Right, they still, for example, uh, scientists don't have a clue how consciousness is being generated. It's still an utter mystery. Yes. <laughs> okay, so... Another word that's also related to Bavel is Mabul, which is also interesting. Yes, the flood. The Mabul. flood, the great flood. The great flood. Yes, in, in ancient lore, I read that once what was not corrected in the flood continued in the story of Babylon. That is aspect, interesting. Okay. Aspect of humanity once maybe we can put it on also a, a presentation uh, this is a very deep the next i hope we shall do how humanity deals with troubles mm -hmm. and humanity attend troubles in the great flood not just an historical one but let's speak about historical because it's it's like helpful to think about it now so The problems of humanity once has to go, had to go through the crisis of the flood that a better kind of humanity will perish and continue humanity. Like Noah. Noah, he was the only person with his three sons who went into the ark with the animals and after one year of flood and a few days of dry land, they managed to go out of the ark and to create a new humanity. Mm -hmm. A better version of humanity, because humanity... A better version or a better version? <laughs> <laughs> okay, it, it's a, it's a, let, let me think about it. <laughs> I cannot give you an answer now. <laughs> <laughs> because the humanity that descended from the first sin continued to corrupt through the generations until Noah was the tenth generation from Adam. And with him, only with the 10th generation, the plan of correction could work, meaning the flood was a correction plan to fix or to correct humanity Right after the first sin. And then the Lord says that what was not managed to be corrected in the flood in Noah families mm -hmm. continued in 
Babylon, in the, Bab in the story of Babylon. Okay, so we move from, from the better humanity to the next version, so to speak. Yes, right? yes. So um, this, is, this is also another concept, of course, that is mentioned in the sources, the whole correction, right, of the breaking of the human spirit, so to speak. Yes. Which yes. would go a bit too far to, to go into this here right now. But I think you point this out beautifully, how we can see the events of the Bible, not just as random chaotic things, but a certain hierarchy of more and more complex corrections. And system. This is a system right. that there is a code and there is it doesn't work anymore and comes an event. You comes write an it, update, so to speak. An update, right. yes. And then there is a new um, phase of generations. And then, buck, it moves, doesn't work. Spirit has to come in because people lock down. Right. Also, the story again, the correction of of the Babylon was that the fact that God, how do you say, spread them all over, but it continues and appear in the Sodom because also people remain in their narrowness, and it appears in the behavior of the people of Sodom, and after it came Egypt. Mm -hmm. Mother of all exiles. Right. Uh, they also mentioned that there is no real before and after in the Bible, mm -hmm. at least not in a linear sense. So mm -hmm. it still can be that uh, Mitzrayim is the mother of all exiles, which chronologically in the Bible happens after Babylon, so to speak, but still mm -hmm. it comes before, mm -hmm. if that's not too confusing. No, because this is the Tower of Babylon. This is not the exile of Babylon. The Tower of Babylon is former to the exile of Egypt. After Israel went out of Egypt, they, walk, they walked 40 years in the desert, managed to go to the land of Canaan and settled there. During the generations, they even built the temples there. But after a while, they, they did not relate to the spirit anymore. So they had to travel to different exiles. So ah, one yeah, of sorry, them, sorry, I made a mistake, them, you're right. No, no, course, yes. historically speaking, it's okay, yeah, yeah. it's okay, it's okay. But also to think, um, okay. <laughs> so you're saying the, the, the exile of Babylon and the Tower of Babylon is not the same event? Um, it's not the same event you're, you're right, in history, course. but the mindset, the mindset that a person, a person sits and in a way you can say, and it's not contradict to what you offer, a person can think, thoughts for himself himself and he has a like a slight of a scratch of an idea but he doesn't build it right so he brings tower in the air it doesn't hold mm -hmm. and this is also a, a, he, he tries on its own he thinks its own but doesn't work it's sensitive Right. This is this is just a, a brief overview. We we see as we go through these exiles how complex all of this stuff really is. Right. Yes. So, um, before we now move on to the next, I think again it's it's worthwhile to point out here that we see the words Babylon, Babel, um, confusion, Bilbul, mm -hmm. and flood, Mabul. They are all coming from the same Hebrew root. Yes, again in Mabul, in the flood, you see again Bet Lamed. It's not Hevel, it's Hevel without the hay, mm -hmm. without the spirit, and again without the heart, opposite to the heart, Bet 
before Lamed. So, and this is again fascinating, I think, because many times when you hear people nowadays speaking about these things, like, ah, oh, the flood came and all the evil people were wiped out, it's it's like moralistic and in a way a bit childish and also flat when when i heard this these things uh, as a child i always thought like well what like you know on based on whose standards so to speak like yeah there are these these laws and if you don't fulfill them there comes this big punishment and it's no not no a punishment. no it, right. every, everybody in, in his life can feel a flood situation when he does not use his heart exactly which is the kind of confusion when the confusion in a person's life becomes doesn't so big that you start to drown in it yes there's no need for an external punishment no like a person person's ark it is his is its body and when a person does not listen to his heart things are crashing him hard and then he doesn't know anymore where to react how to do what to do what is up what is down What is day? What is night inside of him? This is not just an historical event like people childishly want wants to prove. Right, exactly. Which is also often to prove their own kind of sense of inferiority or to put other people down. Because that I we know. are the good people. Yeah, and we I know. were Noah and you were the ones that got drowned. Oh, I know where exactly the, the ark was. Exactly, you know, all I these considerations. No, Instead of looking at the Hebrew letters is, and mm -hmm. uh, seeing what is actually the core that's being uh, expressed here, because it seems to be a very different story than what you generally hear maybe in, in, in Bible study groups or all of these things. Yes. All right. So, from the exile of Babylon, we move on to the next exile. To the exile. next one. <laughs> which uh, yes uh, the hebrew people were in a lot of exiles Five. the next the next <laughs> exile is the exile of paras paras persia which is spelled in the three hebrew letters of p resh and samech. samech yes so you put here this beautiful persian kitty yes um What does this exile tell us? And again, not just in a historical sense, but in a psychological sense. Interestingly, if you look at the letters Pei Resh Samech and you read them from left to right, Samech Pei Resh, the Safar, the counting. So the exile of Persia means to count mm -hmm. and to measure to count and to measure this is why also the sources maybe I think there's another slide which is waiting for us the exile of Persia always connected to another ancient realm in Hebrew named Madai Paras and Madai right Paras okay see, I see the, the cheese that you put up yes Which is the, so paras also means a slice, right? It's to slice, yes. Right, so we have already the idea of like counting, okay, yes. slicing, Div dividing, no. dividing, separate, mm -hmm. se separating. Mm -hmm. And now as a, another aspect of this, we have madai. Madai, madai. So uh, perhaps this needs a bit of a context, right? So if a paras is Persia, which we even hear, we see in English still the relation a bit of these, the, the mm -hmm. root letters, 
how they express themselves. Um, in the Hebrew sources, they always speak about paras umadai. Yes. So what's this, what's this whole thing with madai? Why did they even mention it? Um, historically, geographically, the explanation is that there were not just the Persians um, or the, the Persian, was it a kingdom or an empire? What's the correct term? I think it was an Real? empire, right? Let's <laughs> yeah. say the Persian realm. That's that's more mm -hmm. accurate. Yes. So there was the the Persian realm, but there was also the realm of the Medes, yes. which was another yeah. tribe or another people. You can check this mm -hmm. on on Wikipedia, right? Mm -hmm. um, but when the Hebrew sources talk about Paras Umadai, there's actually a different aspect expressed in this as well. Mm -hmm. It's like in ex exile is a situation of the soul in which the body in us, the physical, limited one, always measures things. Paras, Persia, is slice, we slicing, we divide things, we, we think that if we cut them down, we can understand everything. And Madai is like the Hebrew word of Madad, measure. Or right. Mada, science. Yeah, you put up here this uh, slide with the microscope, right? Yes, yes. So this is very, very interesting. Even the, the word, the Hebrew word for science. Con contains mm -hmm. the letters Mem Dalid. Mem Dalid, Mad, Mida. Like in English we say, how do you say, something that measures something. Uh, you say, yes, gasometer, yes, thermometer, this is... Uh, the matter at the end, you mean? The matter, the mm -hmm. matter, yes. Mm -hmm. And so we see here, Madad, the, the ancient realm of Madai, refers to the Hebrew uh, verb Madad, measure, or Mada, science. So do you still say that in, in modern Hebrew, like you have a measuring tool, something, do you call that a, a madad, this thing? Mad, uh, yeah, we say mad, mem daled, mm -hmm. mad chom, temperature when we... Ah, okay, uh, a thermometer, yeah. A thermometer, mad chom, mm -hmm. yes. Oh, this is very so, interesting. And mad, mem daled, is not just if we convert it into numbers, mem is 40, And Dalet is four. So we see the full expressions of the duality. 40, Mem, and yeah. Dalet, four. Four. Yeah. Four, duality. Plus, the Gematria is 44. If we add Aleph to the Mem, Dalet, we get Adam. We just have to add the Aleph. The Aleph here is missing. Right. But also the, the letter Mem, Dalet, Mida, measure is the letters of dam. If you write the dalet in front of the mem, you get dam, you get blood. So when we measure, this is, this is the, how do you say, uh, danger. That if we measure everything down, what do we get at the end of the day? The science of races, we measure blood, which blood is higher, which blood is intelligent, etc 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 and we don't need to extend in this matter so you mean the dangers of, of science are quite obvious especially in the we saw in the 20th century right. what happened with the explosion of science well, in right uh, luckily fortunately Europe, uh, nobody nobody used uh, another hydrogen bomb or um, something like that since then but mm -hmm. technology has only progressed 
yes since these times and and god only knows um what destruction we would be capable of today true this is why there is like intellectual realm today is being built upon of this ruins i would say right is which is why it's why it's perhaps uh, so very important that that nowadays people connect and they start again to talk to each other in a more open way and start to listen to each other and to learn so that we will not have to look into this dangerous terminal point of what we might be capable of because this is very dangerous when the the realm of tools take over because microscope and application and measuring and laboratories this is a very very uh, dangerous right but isn't that also just in a way the an external aspect of all of this because i'm asking myself what what does it mean psychologically parasumadai what does it mean if inside of ourselves in the way we relate to ourselves in our experience we slice everything down we measure everything We look at ourselves, uh, a person with himself. He is measuring his time to the bus and from the bus. He's cutting all the time. Um, he also, we measure ourselves uh, against other people's achievement, mm -hmm. against other people's looks or appearance or the ability to, to speak or to sing. Some people can express themselves in different languages. Some people can engineer And what is happening when a person always measure himself against himself or others, people who are related to him or far that he sees in the movie, he always cuts himself down to this this little point that that he seen the other. He he doesn't see the the other the whole person, person. The yeah. whole person. This is the, because if he 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 takes only one dot, so he just take the fruit of. Of from the tree of life and look only at the fruit but there's a full tree behind it I think what you describe is very accurate because this is the root of a lot of aggression that um, a, one person looks at another person's very specific skills in one specific area and starts to compete with him aggressively um, while excluding all of the other aspects of the other person and himself yes and people get can sometimes get very hot-headed and uh things can get problematic and can get out of hand this is true this is this is very interesting what you're saying i'm also thinking perhaps about the aspect of compartmentalizing right that mm -hmm. we we walk around in the world and we slice up our own consciousness mm -hmm. in a way here i'm this person at work which is a certain persona and at home with my children i'm another persona and when i'm with my friends i'm another persona and and many times these These types don't really talk to each other. They're completely different human beings, depending on which social context you're in. This is dangerous, I right? would say. Yeah, I mean, there's, there are senses where this, uh, in its extreme, it's, of course, pathological. But I think all of us have this to some degree. Yes, because we have an element of us, which is like a biological animal. Yes, he inhale, exhale, eats, and, you know, and there's an element in us which is communicating and speaking an element in actually in, in us which is have this ability to to wonder about beauty and about the secrets of life there are many aspects of right. us but if uh, at the moment i'm the one who's drinking water it 
I'm also the one who can later think about things. And we tend to um, deduct ourselves, to measure ourselves according to sometimes the activities that we do. Right. But we are not narrowed down to these aspects of only activities. Or if a person is angry at the moment. So he's angry at the moment, but he has other full uh, whole of more expressions right just in that moment this is one the, expression, yes and right? people say oh why i was angry because you know in uh, it's a it's a sad topic yes but in certain cultures or when people grow in a very left um surrounding uh wing <laughs> left wing surrounding you should accept everything and sometimes anger Anger is like an expression of fire, of measure. And we show anger, we show this is a limit. Right. This is, this is not accepted uh, to be angry in a way, what you're yes. saying, right? You, yes. If you have to accept everything and tolerate everything. I think that's also what we see nowadays in the world, that um, there are certain tendencies where, where people are trying to push back against that. Mm -hmm. That leads us a bit into complicated waters now. Um, the the full extent of this i don't think we we can go into this uh, right now but it's very interesting what you're saying is that in a sense by trying to accept everything we we keep ourselves compartmentalized which sounds a bit like a paradox at first mm -hmm. right but one way that i was thinking of one direction is that if we look at historically the sciences all sprang from one root Right. If mm -hmm. we look at the ancient Greeks, mm -hmm. and uh, we're going to talk about the Greeks as well in a minute, mm -hmm. the sciences were very close. So yes. mathematics and philosophy were not separated, separate yet. It was, it was one science. There was the one um, thinking activity, so to speak. Yes, it expressed in the menorah. Uh, the, the whole, the whole um, seven branches like the trivium and a quadrum later, which is known in the Middle Ages, right. the trivium and quadrum together, there are seven, the seven um, lanes of wisdom were expressed in a menorah that was in the temple. And, but when Israel went to exile, not because they, it's very deep explanation, but everything started to shatter, meaning Rhetorics became its own topics and mathematics, mm -hmm. you know, it started to spread. Right. And now we reach a time that everything was so branching out that this edge of medical cannot speak to a philosophy. It just can't. True. People are so entrenched in Far their various off. professions that an expert of, I don't know, chemistry has problems talking to an expert of, I don't know, law or something because all these fields are so specialized and and cut into tiny little slices and niches right this is why the the lore says if i may take another minute of the conversation the lore says that when moses had to build a menorah it was still in the desert while they were marching <laughs> uh, god says here build a menorah but from one root it has to have seven lanes but from one root. And Moses says, but how can it be? Mm -hmm. You take seven pipes and you connect them together. And God says, no. They're, those seven lanes are coming from one root, from the tree of life. They are not separated. They are not separate 
ways of wisdom for their own. Right. They are one. What I'm also so. thinking of is what we had in the beginning that uh, the Geula versus Galut, there's this Aleph, right? Yes. This sense of unity that things yes. are connected. Yes. Which is in a way the expression of, of exile in, in this sense that there yes. is no unity among things. And I think this, what we see among, through all of those different exiles, what they all have in common is that there is a lack of this unity, of unification. It's true. So, We talked about the Egyptians, the exile of Egypt, the exile of Babylon, the exile of Persia. And now we have the exile of Greece, which is called Yavan. In yes. Hebrew. So this is a very interesting one. So it's spelled Yod, Vav, Vav, Nun Sufit. Yes. What does this tell us? This is a very interesting name. Because in the Bible, we wrote it in the, in the modern Hebrew with a double vav. But in, in the biblical um, text, it appears in three letters like Yod, Vav, and Nun, which are expressed in a way very beautifully in three lines. Like the Yod on the right is a little, the Vav in the middle is like medium and the nun sofit is long so you see a relation between three sizes small medium large the exile of greece uh, and yavan yavan was a name of a person he was the fourth again fourth listen to the number four son uh -huh. of yefet Yefet was the son of Noah. He was beautiful. This is why he was named Yefet from beauty. And um, Yavan is an exile. Greece is to show that the beauty is in the form, meaning do not relate only to the beauty in a form as an expression, the only expression, because the beauty comes from somewhere else. It just expresses itself here as beauty and harmony. Is it, does it make any sense? I, I, think, I think I understand what you're talking about. Um, I've, I've read a bit uh, some of the sources myself. Um, they say Greece, the exile of Greece is the exile of beauty, right? Yes. So you describe this, I think, quite beautifully, that we look at all these beautiful shapes, of, if it's like in nature or other human beings, or even in, in mathematics, if, you, if you'd like, there are all these beautiful patterns and, and harmony that we can, we can see in the, in, the sh in the world of forms, so to mm -hmm. speak. But just trying to exhaust this beauty within the shape itself this is where the problem is according yes. to the hebrew sources if i understand them correctly yes this is true so the idea is to say okay we have all this beauty we have these immense um i know if you look at uh, beehives for example or how ants they build their hives um it's amazing the complexity and the beauty that we have even in the patterns of a leaf or the plumage of a bird there are all these amazing things in nature not to mention all the creatures um, that live in the ocean 
it's it's seemingly infinite, right? Yes. And and beautiful, breathtakingly beautiful. But there is this idea here, which may very may sound very strange. I I agree. Um, sounds it sounds um, unfamiliar, perhaps, to us. This idea that okay, this is this is beautiful and this is amazing. But where does it come from? This is a question. Right. And, it, yeah, please. If people, uh, let's say, look at the Greek sculpture, the, the Greek art, and later the Greek, I mean, that what led to later be the European culture, look at the beautiful sculptures, and people say, this is it. Right, we reached it. We, we got it now. Yeah, yeah, we got it on painting, on sculptures, on, on um, cathedrals, on churches. It's, this is an expression Uh, but it's not it's an like an extension of of life of the tree of life but here in time and space but it's it's you cannot frame it and say this is the only thing right and now we can can put it into a cage and exhibit it in a museum we we now know what truth is what is the meaning of life we got it right what is beauty yeah. yes yeah all right Also philosophy, this is very interesting because everybody um, look at, uh, at a philosophy as what can like, how do you say, characterize Greek, Greece is the, the great ph philosophy. Of course. Mm -hmm. This is very, very interesting because um, an ancient source mentioned that the, the beauty, the, the wisdom express itself in beauty and when a person wants to to relate to only what is beautiful he wants to relate to what is coming at the back end of this beauty which is wisdom this is philosophia to the love to love to the love of wisdom but in this you limit things philosophia You say in Greece of philosophy, but in Hebrew, the philosophia is from Sof. Sophia in Greek is wisdom, mm -hmm. but in Hebrew is Sof, is ending. When people want to look at the life uh, only through the lens of, of wisdom, they limit it, they put an end to it. Because wisdom is not the final uh, aim. Mm -hmm. This is... I hope I, I managed to make sense of it because it's crossing many languages at the right. same time. It's hard. I, I'm not. I'm not going to to um, relate to that directly, but I'm reminded of the saying or the legend, or I don't know how to characterize this, that it says, "Where do the Greek have all this knowledge from?" Right? There is this mm -hmm. this legend which says that they were taught by this man which came from the east, right? Kadmon. Yes. Kedem. Uh, th th there is a Kadmon, like an ancient man, because in Hebrew, Kedem is what was before, or east. Right, so even before so, all of this, the ancient Greek philosophy, the ancient Greek mathematics, where's the before? Yes. Right, this is this, this great question. If we say, no, there is no before, We now we figure it out by ourselves in our own mind with a pencil on a paper and that's it. This is the exile of Greece. Yes. 
Whereas the the more complete way perhaps would be to say, yes, it's all, it's great. And we see a lot of beauty in it and progress. And uh, that leads also to allevi alleviation of suffering for many people in medicine and so on and so forth. But where did this, all of this come from? What was before, right? They used to praise the human body. And you have many sculptures, we say here in in Israel, in, in Caesarea, we have a lot of uh, Hellenistic Everything is so beautiful. Of course, this was very the, developed. Yeah. The body is. What, what, where does who made this body? The human body in which image? You know. What, you right. know. Where's the origin? Okay, this is in a stone, and a great artist. He sold the living in the stone, and with his art and his assistant, he managed to to reveal the figure. But it still stone. does not answer the why of all of it, right? Where where do do life coming from? Exactly. You know. Okay. So, and perhaps also here, it's not that there is a, a necessary finite answer to this question, but the sources try to point out not to stop asking the question. Yes. This is what it's about. Yes. Ask, where does it come from? Not to close the question down. Not to say, not to close down. No. All right. So, again, there's a lot of literature about all of these things, and we could spend hours just on one of these exiles. This is just a brief overview. Yes. So after the exile of Greece, we have mm -hmm. one more, which is called Edom. Edom. This is the is longest. <laughs> the longest exile. Mm -hmm. This is what is known as Rome. It's Rome, yes. Exile of Rome is like 2,000 years in the sources, like two, two millennia. It's, it's a hard one. <laughs> right. So historically speaking, right? Mm -hmm. um, the first thing that perhaps that comes to mind is here, like, why is it called the, in Hebrew, um, Edom? Why is it mm -hmm. not called the Galut of, of Roma or something, right? Because mm -hmm. you can say in Hebrew, Roma, that the yes. word also exists. Why, why do the, the sources um, call it Edom? It starts in the biblical story of the twins, Jacob, Esav. Esav and Jacob were two twin brothers. And uh, Esav was born first. He was the first to come from the womb. And Jacob came second. So the first son has not just the title of the first son, But he is entitled to get the blessing mm -hmm. uh, from the father. Right, the famous story. The famous story. Between Jacob and... and uh, Esau. How do you call him in English? I'm stumped at the moment. Esau. Do you say Esau? Esau, his brother. Right. When it changed. But when the, the two boys, they, they were twins. And when the two boys, they were 15 years old... Um, It, this year to their life was very interesting because when they were 15, their grandpa Abraham died. And Jacob, he was like a more inner person. He was sitting in a tent, always learning things. And when the grandpa Abraham died, he was making like a stew of lentils because uh, when people are mourning, this is, this is what they eat. Because mm -hmm. the lentil is round, 
like it doesn't have a sense of a line. So to, to, to remind that there is cycles of life and death, this is why the food of the morning people is lentils too. So at that day, Jacob was in the tent and he was making this uh, stew of lentils and Esav, his brother, which was a hunter, at that day when Abraham died, when he was 15 years old, he managed to kill the greatest king of Nimrod. He was a horrible man. But Esav, 15 years old, he managed to kill him by setting a trap. Mm -hmm. And he was so tired from this killing that he came to the tent and he saw Jacob was um, cooking a stew. And he, says, he said, stuff me with this red stuff, like this. Hal itenina. Please stuff me with this red stuff. <laughs> yeah? Uh, stuff me, please, with this red, red stuff. And he, since the person is tired, he doesn't spit in accurate words. Wait a second. Um, he, sorry for interrupting you, but yes. Adom is also red in Hebrew, right? Yes, yes, yes. This is what it comes to. And it's mentioned that he has also red hair. Yes, he was, yes. Cool. Mm-hmm. And he's and and Jacob says, okay, why why does he say stuff me with this red red stuff? Because when a person is awfully tired, he cannot speak in accurate words. He cannot think. Mm -hmm. So he speaks in frequencies, in colors. So he was so tired from the killing and hunting, and he's only 15 years old, that he asked Jacob, please stuff me with this red red. And Jacob said, yes, but in one condition that you will sell me your first son, righteous, righteous one. Oh, wait a second, He's, he sold this off? Uh, for a stew, for a lentil soup. All right, so if, if we, sometimes I've heard it said that it's kind of like that Jacob cheated, so to speak. No, this is, was at the later stage of their life. Right. People, uh, it's, a long, it's a very heavy story that only a few years ago I figured this. Mm -hmm. People tend to mix it, but it's a different story later on their lives before the fathers is passed away. Oh, really? Away. Yes, there's a two different story. In this is why he say he cheated me twice. Esav was crying. And he followed me, cheated me twice. Once when I sold him the first son, and then later on their father Isaac's life, he blessed Jacob instead of Esav. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Oh, so. So what is the exile so, of Rome? If we okay. can now connect it back to the story so, of. The Lord says that since he could not say a word and just use the color red, since the day on he was named Edom. He was not uh, named anymore Esav. The Bible says, okay. the verse, the next verb, this is Edom. So since then he is named Edom. After the aspect of hunting things, Because he was a hunter. Okay. A hunter all, always relate to the very short frequency. He gets his liveliness from hunting after things. Once, once uh, he, he hunts the living animal or living soul, he's not interested. He throws it to another person to take care of it. Just we hunt. see this with cats sometimes also. Yes. Right? They, they yes. enjoy the hunt, but they're not really interested in eating what they've caught. Yes. yes. This characterizes the hunter. Mm-hmm. 
So um, I have to say, with with um, most of the exiles, I kind of have a feeling about what they mean. But um, what is this? What is this exile of of Rome or of Edom in our own lives? We we hunt after very frequent pleasures. What gives me the pleasure in in the most short time? People do not want to war uh, to work for a long aim. They mm -hmm. don't want to. Uh, they don't have a person who wants to wo work for the long run. He sacrifices like daily things, mundane for for his target, mm, for, for the sense of yeah, alignment in the his life, for the future. But when people just want to have immediate enjoyment from a laugh, from being with friends, from eating, from like the Rolling Stones song. Yes, <laughs> I can get no satisfaction. Yes, yes, this is this is the life of Esa. This is the life of Rome, and this is why it, uh, in a way, uh, comes in a symbol of a soup lentil, a uh -huh. lentil soup, uh, which is round. You don't have a sense of a line, of illumination. Sitting in a bar and then going to a movie and then goes to eat a pizza and get then go play bowling which is all know. fine if it's part but, of a you know, larger but, life right yeah but only for just to hang in cycles all the time and doesn't and have to run same. from from satisfaction to to fleeting satisfaction right mm -hmm. i mean this is something that i think in in also in greek philosophy is mentioned that this is a problem when human beings live like this right the hedonistic culture right okay wow we made it through all of the all the excess <laughs> and, and we and came out alive on the other side. <laughs> on the other side, yeah. <laughs> the thing is that those, okay, those um, exiles are mentioned in a historical term, but not just we, we like cut from them, like five exiles of a human soul comes to this life. Okay, so um, I guess this is the point where if you have any questions, you can add them in the comments or if you're listening to the recording you can also add them wherever you're listening to this or watching this and we'll get back to it at another point um there are here like comments um do you see any you, questions you, at the I moment i see i see mr bradley write something do you see right I'm not sure that's that's a question at the moment. Um, okay. I think he, he, he finds the uh, lecture fascinating, which is, of course, great. So, um, But yeah, if anybody has any specific questions about what we've discussed, we are more than happy to answer them. Um, and perhaps in the meantime, there's another thing. Um, mm -hmm. We promised you something. A surprise. There was a, a little surprise that we announced, yeah. Um, because it's the essay that Etty wrote about the story of Cain and Abel is now available as a free download in a beautiful new PDF format. So if you go to hebrew.learnoutlive.com, you can get a free copy. Good luck. And we wish that you will read it and send your questions or your comments and wonders or disagreement. We shall be happy. Right. And today was maybe a bit longer, our presentation. And we tried to go a bit more into detail within, within limitations. 
Um, we hope nobody fell asleep or nobody got too confused <laughs> and started drowning in the waters of Babylon. Um, but yeah, we're looking forward to any questions that you may have and see you next time. Thank you very much for these conversations. Thank you for being with us. And please write and ask and comment and just don't be afraid. Do it. Have a great